Welcome to Lent. It's, uh, it's time for most of us to lose weight, right? When I was a kid, that's what Lent felt like. Um, there was Mardi Gras, a time of indulgence and gluttony, and then there was Ash Wednesday in Lent, where we couldn't eat snacks or cheat in between meals. And that was good, right? Because we, we all lost weight. So when I was a kid, that's what Lent felt like. It felt like a time to lose weight. Or at least a little bit, because let's be honest, 40 days is a long time to stay disciplined. I'd do well at the beginning of Lent when I was a kid. I'd look back on my time there. I'd come out of Ash Wednesday on fire. I loved the ritual. I loved all the people who would go to Mass on Ash Wednesday. And I think I was actually in some way... Um, Maybe just the gluttony of Mardi Gras created a desire in me to take a break. But if anything else, I think I was ready uh, for my traditional childhood Lenten penance of fasting. And in the early days of Lent, I'm good. Uh, Week one, week two, week three, I was solid, fasting, disciplined, committed to the penance. And then I remember as a kid, Fridays during Lent, Fridays in Lent means we can't eat meat, which is really hard for us in South Louisiana, right? So we ate seafood. Um, We had fresh fish or oysters or crabs or shrimp, especially shrimp. I loved fried shrimp. And we all know the rule with fried shrimp, right? You have to fry at least twice as many shrimp than you actually expect to hit the table because at some point you're going to be snacking on shrimp or you have to quote-unquote test to make sure that they're good, right? It's all part of the invisible rules of frying shrimp. A little snacking. And right there. Right there. And something as harmless as fried shrimp on Friday nights, a new element enters the equation of Lent. Ah, I can cheat a a little bit. And so the discipline of not cheating, the discipline of fasting during Lent, was now confronted with my first compromise. It sounds like this. It sounds like, well, it's just a couple shrimp, and I've done so well so far, haven't I? And I had. I had always done really well with my Lenten penance of fasting and discipline, at least for the first three weeks of Lent. And then just when I felt good about my new habit of fasting, here comes a fried shrimp on Friday nights. And I cheated a little bit. Now week four, which followed, was good, but I'd probably begin to maybe give in maybe once during that week with a little snack. And and then came Friday night again, and I'd cheat a little bit more with some fried shrimp. Then came week five, and that that door was open. Now I'd snack a little more and cheat a little more, and I could see Easter coming around the corner and all that candy, and I'd say to myself, well, heck, it's almost Easter anyway, and I've already begun to cheat. And the next thing I knew, I'd blown the commitment. I'm no longer fasting, and once again, for another year, I didn't make it through Lent with my penance. And I'm the only one who's done that, right? The patterns sound familiar in your life? 
Because we've all been there, haven't we? Especially with the shrimp. (laughs) But regardless of the penance, even regardless of the season, whether it's Lent or not, and regardless of the sin or vice, when we try, many of us are familiar with patterns of starting strong and eventually failing to stay committed to a new life of virtue and self-denial. How many times in the past have we longed to take the next step with God only to have our vices rear their heads at the time when we least expected? How many times have we said, all right, I want to go deeper with God and then you get in the way of you or our life gets in the way of you? I have. I think a lot of us have. I believe that most of us not only understand this pattern in our life, I imagine that some of us right now at this season of Lent want to go deeper. So why is it so hard? Why is it that we struggle with our same patterns? Why is it so hard to stay committed to the commitment? In other words, why is it so hard to, to stay in the interior posture where we want to go deeper. And most importantly, what if God could speak to us today about this? What if today God spoke to us about our pursuit of holiness and his desire, maybe, that this could be the the Lent where we could go deeper? In other words, if God had a message for you regarding your past patterns, would that message be worth listening to? Because God is speaking. He has spoken to us in the readings that we read at Mass today. For today's readings are rich. In today's first reading, we hear the story of Adam and Eve, the garden and the enemy. We heard the first temptation, the first fall, and the first sin. In Genesis chapter 3, we read of Eve's conversation with temptation. And there's an important detail that we're going to come back to in just a couple seconds. Today's gospel, we read of the story of Jesus and the desert. And the enemy is there also. We read those accusations and temptations and all those false promises. We also heard Jesus' swift response. Matthew chapter 4, we read of Jesus' conversation with temptation, and it sounded a lot different than the way that Adam and Eve engaged with the enemy. There's a lot that we could unpack in today's scriptures, however, I'd like to draw our attention to one important detail. The first response from both Eve and Jesus. Let's look at uh, Adam and Eve. They, They knew the voice of God. We know that God had spoken to them about the tree and its fruit and the parameters of living in Eden, so we know they know God's voice. But the enemy's voice is different. It doesn't sound like God's. 
this voice of temptation creates a little confusion, a little unease, you might say. It contradicts what God had already promised them. And when the voice of temptation speaks, Eve engages. She answers. She doesn't recognize it as temptation, and she gets lured not only into sin, but she gets lured into engaging with the enemy in the first place. Contrast her response to the response of Jesus. Jesus is also confronted with a voice of temptation. The enemy engages Jesus, attempting to trip him up with empty promises. However, Jesus' initial response is very different than Eve's. Jesus simply quotes scripture. He doesn't entertain the thoughts. He doesn't entertain what the enemy says. He doesn't ask questions out of curiosity. He doesn't flirt with temptation. He is swift. He is immediate. Eve, when tempted, gave herself permission to open the door to the, to the enemy. She opened the door to temptation. And once that door is open, it's open. It's very difficult for Adam and Eve. It was impossible to close the door of temptation once she had become familiar with it being open. Jesus, when tempted, knows that there's only one reason. There's only one reason why the enemy is tempting. And Jesus swiftly reacts with a single bold no. And right there, with Eve's fall right on the side of Jesus' triumph, we see this epic battle of life. Eve left the door of temptation open, and once that door is open, we all know how that story ends. Whether it's fried shrimp on Friday night or or little sins that everybody struggles with, once we open the door to sin, we begin to grow far too familiar with sin itself. We, We become desensitized to the reality of sin. And once we give ourselves permission to have the little sins as a part of life, we've already given ourselves permission for the big ones to follow because I'm either familiar with sin or I'm not. And if I give myself permission with the little sins, why in the world would we think that we're going to have some mysterious boldness with the big sins? Imagine hurricane season. And, and God forbid a hurricane comes. But just imagine hurricane season. The wind is blowing at 150 miles an hour. The door to your house is closed, but the wind is crushing it. But it's still closed. Now imagine that you open the door just a little bit, but the force of the wind is so strong that now you can't close the door or at least do it all by yourself. Now, the only thing now preventing the hurricane force winds 
from completely ripping the door open is your strength. When that door was shut, it was shut. But once you open the door, now it's open, and the only thing keeping it from being further opened is your strength. And at some point, when confronted with a hurricane, you're going to get tired. Same is true in our spiritual life. We have to close the doors. We have to grow intolerant of the little sins or we will by nature grow too familiar with being familiar with sin. So I'd like to give us all some homework. I know that with the the bigness of today's message and the enormity of our battle with virtue, it can get overwhelming. So I want to zero in on one thing you can do this week. Just one thing. What's one thing that you can do to help us all take the next step? What's one thing we can do? Well, that's confession, the sacrament of reconciliation. Now, I know that the mere mention of the sacrament of reconciliation raises a litany of questions in a lot of people. And so I promise you, that's okay. I promise you, next week, next Sunday, we're going to unpack together uh, the commonly asked questions about going to confession to a priest, and why, and where is that in the Bible. I promise you we'll unpack all that next time we have some time together. However, I just want you to trust me. I only want us as a community to grow, all right? So just trust me here. If it's been around for 2,000 years, it's probably, it's probably, probably pretty good. So, but this week, you, you have a choice and you can either try to close the hurricane force winds by yourself, or, you, or maybe you can have the church behind you and the, the authority of the sacraments behind you. So next week, we'll unpack the questions about confession, but, but you don't have to wait until next week. So hang in here with me. Imagine if this Lent you went to confession, not only this week, but now hang on with me. Imagine if you went to confession this Lent Every week. Imagine. Now, for some of you, it just blew your mind wide open. But stay with me here. Stay with me. Imagine if once a week from now to Easter, you went to confession. What would happen? Well, for most of us, the first time you go to confession, you'd lay out all the big sins, right? And then the second time you went to confession, you might have maybe one big sin, but now all you got left is the little sins. And if you went back a third time, all you'd have left is the little sins, right? Now you're saying to yourself, well, Father Mark, all I have left is the little sins. Why do I need to go to confession? And right there, right, right there is an attitude of it's okay to have the little sins. It's okay to, it's okay to have the door open. And that, that worked for Eve, right? And that, that's worked for you, right? You see, when we have an interior attitude that it's okay to have the little sins, then we're going to have an interior attitude that it's okay to have sin in our life. And let me tell you, with that attitude, if we become so blind and so familiar with it, then no wonder 
when the big sins happen, we fall back into it. And everything that I just talked about with fried shrimp at the beginning of the homily, and we've all been there, and we're all wondering why that happens, this is why it happens. Because we just get familiar with keeping the door open. Unless something changed. Now, there's nowhere else to go here. Either we're going to close that door or we're not. (laughs) We're either going to go deeper with the Lord or we're not. So here's what happens. The discipline of the spiritual exercise of going to confession once a week, it, it creates a new sensitivity to temptation and the particular ways that I am tempted in my particular life. It, it creates a new consciousness within us. And almost, um, it almost pulls out of us a new desire for God. And eventually, with God's help, creates a new habit within us. And with God's weight and authority and strength, those doors get closed and we leave them closed. And perhaps one day, with God's help, our response to temptation might look more like the gospel in Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, than in today's first reading in Genesis chapter 3. Imagine what that would look like in your life. Imagine if the patterns that we discussed at the beginning of this conversation, the patterns of struggling with the discipline and patterns of struggling to take the next step. Imagine if those struggles began to fade from your life. Imagine if you did take that next step with God. Imagine if this were the best Lent you've ever had. Imagine if God actually heard us today and gave us the grace to go closer to him. Do you want that? Do you want him? Are you ready? Really? Are you really ready to take the next step with God? The next step to him could be as easy as taking a step into a confessional. At least this week. And, and every week after that, from now to Easter. Now imagine if he did that. Imagine if all that happened. Imagine what could be possible in your life. Are you ready for that? He's ready. He is knocking on the door to your heart right now and simply asking you to make a commitment for the first step. Confession this week. And begging him for the grace to reject the little sins and to close that door. I want you to close your eyes with me just for a second. Just look inside your heart. What's there? What's on your heart? What do you want? from him right now. Take a couple seconds just to talk to him, speak to him. And ask him right now, 
to give you the grace to close that door once and for all. God bless you.